fresh out of the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we listen to, where we watch a lot of <laughs> Cinema Bums. Cinema Bums is us. Cinema Bums is you. Cinema Bums is me. It's the shared experiences we have while we watch these crazy movies. It's the force that binds all living things. It's in everything. Every plant. And every person. Even the little kid with the broom. On that point, Cinema Bums has reached a landmark. We've completed X23, our, our series on the X-Men. Woo! I can't believe we've done it. Oh my gosh. I wow. can't believe you've done I, this. Yeah, I can't believe you've done this. Wow. Um, four months talking about the X-Men movies. Wow. I regret that I have but one life to give to talk about oh the X-Men gosh. movies. I wish, honestly, I can honestly oh. say right now, uh-huh. After having just watched the New Mutants, uh-huh. I would readily do it all again. <laughs> well, I'd recommend you listen to this podcast before you say that. Yeah, I think knowing what I know now, <laughs> I wouldn't have agreed to do these movies to be the first thing we do in our podcast. Because I think a lot of people think about us as an X-Men podcast. Uh-huh. Which, like, we have just been talking about X-Men for four months. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it's not unreasonable. <laughs> but that wasn't really, like, the founding goal. But the founding goal was to examine how movies change over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens in this series in an interesting degree. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's too much and not enough change, kind of. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there are just, like, sections where it's like, okay, now we're getting a movie every year and they're all kind of the same thing. For sure. But anyway, what I would like to say is I maybe wouldn't have done it now, but I also think if we hadn't have done it first, we would never do it. Yeah. Yeah, it would never make it through a roster ever yeah. again. So Yeah. I appreciate you uh having faith in the series and uh i so i remember when we started this whole crazy little thing uh uh-huh. you telling me that you thought there was some underappreciated untalked about value to the series that you think has been just like unnoticed in the public eye do you feel that we've found it and we've talked about it yeah <laughs> I can't oh, do. Okay, okay. I mean, I think, I think there is very little value in this series. To be honest, um, artistically, morally, aesthetically, but I also think some of them are pretty fun to watch. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. That's really it. I, I've got, I've got not a lot about it. As like, there's, I've, I've found no redeeming quality for the series as a whole. That's what I'll say. Like, there's no one thing that I can point to anymore and be like, that's the thing that the X-Men is, that the X-Men does, that nothing else does. Mm -hmm. As As a group of movies, I would say there is no good reason. There's no good reason to watch them the way that we watched them. Like, in the order that we watch. If you think about them, we watched them all out of whack and out of order in the order that they would make any sort of sense in. Like, any normal person wouldn't watch the Deadpool movies in between the other movies in this series, mm-hmm. you know, might not watch any of the other X-Men movies at all when they wa- watched the three Wolverine movies, you know? So there's might've watched all four decades, quadrology movies in a row mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. I don't think they they have anything going for them 
on the whole i think individually there's still cool stuff going on and that some of them are worth watching on their own merits but Mm -hmm. i think that there is of course like the historical importance which is maybe what Mm. the series is most known for now is just that for that original x-men 2000 was the thing that started this whole mess that we're in today of superhero movies i think it was also it's also fascinating Mm. how many colossal disasters (laughs) of production there is in this series like i know that we've just done one series so i don't want audiences to think that that's normal like there is maybe one of those in a series and it's infamous you've got i mean well x-men just took forever to get Mm. made but it wasn't necessarily but like the last stand origins wolverine the new mutants dark phoenix deadpool like those movies are like not just like flops like historic impossible to get made yeah tentpole disasters yeah and it's like it's been really interesting to track that stuff and wild that like so many of them happened in one series um the old messy <laughs> the old messy team the old messy team oh, the boy. old problematic faves the x-men oh boy there we've watched 13 movies in the series mm-hmm. what was your flop to bop ratio for the 13 i believe uh-huh. i haven't gone back to listen to every episode and see what i actually said but i believe that it is nine bop to four flop okay. and i believe that the only four that i've given flops to are the three wolverine the three in the wolverine trilogy mm-hmm. and the last stand um, I don't how about I for you what's your flop to bop ratio um, I have eight flops to five bobs. Okay. I would also say that in retrospect, have the, like my my whole feeling on the flop or bop question having evolved a little. Mm-hmm. A bop now just being a movie that I would want to watch, mm-hmm. and a flop being a movie that I would not want to have to ever sit through again. That's interesting. I would say what my bop to flop understanding has come to be, just like my personal scale, mm-hmm. is that a bop is like a movie that's really good okay like not great not a Uh masterpiece not a nine or a ten but like a movie that's like really enjoy and is worth watching yeah not just in the context of the series but in the context of like Hmm. anything overall and a flop is anything that's not that okay so there are some movies that i gave a flop that i think are like serviceable Mm -hmm. that just like don't get there to being like really enjoyable and recommendable but are like interesting and and you watch and think about hmm. but it's just not like to me a bop is like an actually very good movie hmm. because it's not like it's not good bad or normal it's like a bop like a bop yeah. is like actually good to me just to me that's personally. Yeah, yeah. and so i think that's also where like the dark phoenix is a movie you gave um a bop and i gave a flop and yeah. i would say we felt exactly the same about yes, that movie. that's true that's probably true <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, let me see. By my count, uh, eight out of these 13 movies passed the Bechdel test. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's worth noting that three of those are in like singular conversations with unnamed female mm-hmm. characters, mm-hmm. like a nurse or a hotel keep. So they did technically pass, but in the spirit of like thinking about movies where female characters have 
agency and are like more than just their relationship to men or their place in the plot. I would say there's two of those movies, maybe. Um, I think New Mutants and uh, The Wolverine and Dark Phoenix, mm. in that order, okay. are the three best on female representation. I forgot about The Wolverine. The Last Stand is also good just in how prominently it features Storm, mm. although not not like positive not like representation of women but that is i would say probably like the fourth most women speaking in any of these movies oh, that's that's fair. yeah what uh do you have any stats about the body counts that you've been tracking yes okay so for the two most deaths in the movies mm-hmm. and granted these are vaguely accurate uh, so it's Logan with, I believe, 79 and f- first class with 77. Hmm. But either one of those could secretly be more than the other by like an extra two kills or something that I missed. Which Logan, you're like, yeah, that tracks. It's yep. the most violent. It is like definitely the most graphically violent one. First class is not necessarily what you would expect. A lot of these are sit right in the 50 kill range. Like the Deadpools and a several of the like other decades quadrilogy are in like the forties or fifties. X two is in the forties. A lot of them sit pretty comfortably there with like mostly just a bunch of soldiers and people getting killed. Mm. Um, the two lowest are the original X Men mm. and New Mutants. New Mutants being the very lowest, with only two confirmed kills. Those are also the ones that really focus just on the mutants and don't have sort of like a bunch of expendable yeah. humans that come into play That's so that true. they can um, kill people and have cool action scenes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and give my ranking. Yeah, please. Your, so um, uh, here we go. I'm just going to run through them. Uh, 13 X-Men, the last stand. Even if we didn't know about the allegations of Brett Ratner, he should be in jail for making this movie. <laughs> Number 12, Deadpool 2, Worthless Drivel. Number 11, Deadpool. Uh, 10, X-Men Apocalypse, a movie that should be studied in film class when we talk about like the gross excesses of the 2010s. Having said that, me likey the rom-com. Number 9, Dark Phoenix. Number 8, The New Mutants. Me likey the rom-com. <laughs> um number seven x-men a movie that is like despite all of like the sins of the father it has like a movie that has some stuff that is really compelling i think that rogue logan relationship Mm. is like still compelling to me looking back at all these movies uh number six the wolverine yukio favorite character in the entire franchise Number five, X2, a movie I loved as a child that is held up a lot better than most movies I loved as a child. Number four, X-Men Origins Wolverine, a movie that is better at being bad than almost any other movie is at being good. Yeah, it's true. I maintain what I said at the time that like, if you only watch one of those these movies, it should be that one because it is like unbelievable to behold the many ways in which it is so terrible and and it is endlessly entertaining to me <laughs> felt by far the fastest of any of that these movies. ladder sequence <laughs> still think about it number three 
X-Men Days of Future Past, I will say going into this rewatch, I thought my list would be number one, Days of Future Past, number two, The Wolverine, number three, X2. Okay. That was what it was in my head and would have been going into this. Okay. Days of Future Past at number three, I think didn't, we've just seen so much else Mm -hmm. now that sort of like the meta stuff isn't as bold. Also knowing where it goes mm-hmm. is kind of disappointing. Knowing that it never pays off in the 2023 timeline is a little frustrating. Yeah, but I do think that it's like a really enjoyable movie. I think all the 70s stuff is so fun and like so much more enjoyable than anything else Brian Singer does because it's like so outside of his aesthetic. And I genuinely think that James McAvoy deserves deserved the best supporting oscar that year for this movie like a world-class unbelievably truly, good performance truly great um number two x-men first class okay which is like uh is kind of now being retroactively considered to be the bob of the franchise and is always one that i have been kind of like I've always been like, I like it fine, but I don't really get the hype. But like, I did totally get the hype this time. It's just like such like a simmering, passionate movie. And I love all of the filmography. I love how influenced it is by these 60s movies and by Sean Connery, uh, ripped to a real one. And I think like the performances in it, especially from Fazbender and McAvoy, also, the only, it bears noting, the only movie in these 13 that had any creative input from a woman, mm-hmm. um, the only film that was written or directed by a woman, that shows not just in the female characters, but in like the tender care and emotional depth that uh, Charles and Eric have in this movie. Which they really just kind of ride that high for the rest of the decade's quadrilogy. Yeah. Like they ride, they don't really ever have writing as good as that movie again. They just like kind of yeah. like, oh, you know, they have a relationship. Now let's do. Oh, also, I wake up in a cold sweat all the time thinking about how Apocalypse didn't pay off that Quicksilver was Magneto's son. Like a main, like a point in Days of Future Past, a main driving plot point in Apocalypse. They bring both of them back for the sequel. Quiet as a church mouse on the topic. Number one, Logan. A movie I didn't like the first time I watched it. A movie that I couldn't really see past the violence. You once told me that Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is a movie you think is actually both underrated and overrated. Mm. And that is also how I feel about Logan. This is like the movie in the series that everyone loves. But I think maybe like the actual reasons that like stood out to me about why it's so wonderful this time are like not the things that everyone talks about. Yeah. Like I think everyone is like gritty, bloody, Western, good. (laughs) R-rated, dark, good, violent, gritty, Western. And I think that stuff is like whatever. But I think that like how prescient this movie is, how I think this movie is so successful as like one of the crowding pizzas of art of Trump's America, Mm. because it is about the effect that he has on the people. That's true. And it is like a, about of like very, very close extrapolation of how things are, you know, like a movie that's all about immigrants and all about the border and all Mm -hmm. about like thinking about yourself as something and making those divisions in your head. And I think that's why it's so much more successful than something like 
Wonder Woman 1984, which is about Trump as a person, mm-hmm. which is like trying to evaluate like what creates that need in his soul mm-hmm. and like how his father is involved, how there's that like void of masculinity and him being a businessman. And like, it's that he like needs to accept in his heart in order to change. Mm-hmm. But this is a movie that like, never mentions a Trump-like figure in any capacity. You're right. just seeing, like, the results of it. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing the extrapolation of this world. And I think in that way, it, like, sadly aged <laughs> so much better than it was at the time, even. You watch and you're like, that doesn't look like the future to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And I feel like in that way, uh, I this is not, like, a reference I do glibly, but I... I hope it isn't, but it feels like it could be a movie like Do the Right Thing where you watch it in 40 years and you're like, this is about today, you know, Uh, where it's like about an issue that is so real at the beginning of the thing. Huh. So that's an interesting point. Yeah. I like, I like Mangold a lot. I think that stuff is really stuck out to me on the rewatch. And I also like my favorite type of storytelling in any movie is like where they don't really give it to you and it's there if you want it. It's not important for the plot, but like if you go and find it, it's there. And all of that stuff about like how the world ended and what happened to the X Men and Mm -hmm. the corn and the ties to Apocalypse, like eat all of that stuff up. All right, what's your ranking? Okay, so this is gonna get a little complicated because I wrote it down and then I had changes of heart on different things, but. At number 13, number one least favorite, Last Stand. (laughs) At number 13. Uh, Number 12, we have Logan. At number 11, we have Deadpool 2. Hmm. At number 10, we have Deadpool. At number, what are we, are we counting down? At nine. Nine. At number nine, The Wolverine. In number nine, number eight, X Men the original. Mm-hmm. Number seven, X Men Origins Wolverine baby. <laughs> I think it's the straight middle of the road of the series. It is okay. the median of the series. It's like if you and exactly if you wanted to watch any movie to get like what the whole series was about, watch that movie. You would know everything. <laughs> uh, right above that, at number six, we're gonna have a little film called Days of Future Past. Even though I think it's probably the most, maybe the most well-crafted of all of the uh, Decades Quadrology. It's the least enjoyable to watch. Hmm. Um, X2 at number five. Same spot as you, I think. Yeah. Uh, It really, it holds up. It's like when I was thinking back through them, I was like, that's the only old one that I would want to watch. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that I would be like, yeah, like I'd watch that. So now we're into the ones that I would actually watch, starting with X2. Mm Mm-hmm. Would watch again. Dark Phoenix at number four. New Mutants at number three. First Class at number two. Good God. Or Baby, anytime, <laughs> any place, any function, <sighs> give it to me. Apocalypse, baby. <laughs> number one greatest film I've ever seen. So, of course, it's the greatest film in the X-Men series. It is. Is this a meme? No, like, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember it, but I'm pretty sure it's the best movie I've ever seen. (laughs) But certainly, First Class is a strong second. Uh Uh-huh. I think that, I think here's the great thing about First Class. Mm -hmm. It wasn't directed by Brian Singer. 
and it's a good movie and yeah. it's x-men it's like all three it's like the three things that you want mm-hmm. um it's really good i also feel the same way about new mutants and mm-hmm. dark phoenix um they're all like exciting um uh, i think that dark phoenix apocalypse and new mutants share a certain kind of like high-paced incomprehensibility mm. that to me is maybe what i'm looking for in a superhero movie what about deadpool 2 it also has high-paced incomprehensibility yeah. i just don't like it as much yeah i just don't like deadpool like i know that like on our deadpool episodes i have stuck up for the movies because i enjoyed watching them more than mm. some other movies in the series but i want to be clear i don't like deadpool and i think those movies are pretty garbage and i wouldn't want to watch them again i just want to watch them again more than some of the other movies in the series okay i also think they're a little bit more straightforward than either of those three than any of those three movies are Mm -hmm. you know they're a little bit more like in deadpool you're like oh there's kind of a plot and like weird jokes are happening and stuff in these movies you're just like things are happening (laughs) a lot of things are happening in these in each of these movies Oh, Jessica Biel, she's an alien now? Okay, cool. We're going to have... Jessica <laughs> We're going to have Bryce Dallas Howard over here. <laughs> he, he, like, being the bug lady from the second uh, Men in Black. I mean, yeah, it's weird. And then you just... I mean, and then you have the two Stark sisters kicking ass, taking names. Uh-huh. In all three of those movies, there's a through line. And Days of Future, not Days of Future Best, First Class. Mm-hmm. The th- the redeeming quality of that for me is the relationship between Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. And for all, a lot of those movies is. But yeah, Apocalypse. Not much love for Hugh Jackman, despite you no, they're like really... modeling your life on him. Yeah, I mean, I really, I I'm like very disappointed on the rewatch by a lot of the, not like his acting mm-hmm. but just by like a lot of the stuff that he ends up doing like i just remember him being way cooler mm. um i remember him being like a better character and maybe that's because i hope it's at least to some degree it's because our ideals of masculinity have evolved since the early 2000s like when we started watching these movies mm-hmm. and that like that kind of aggressive like gruff motorcycle riding bad boy thing is like not really what we aspire to be Mm -hmm. anymore i don't know that could be part of it and you're just like wow you're really kind of a pretty bad role model in some ways although sometimes he does he like tries to make the right choice a lot of the time i think there's a really interesting i think he's part of the tail end of a really interesting period of like reluctant father films Hmm. which is probably like a whole like a, something we could spend an entire pod like an entire year on a podcast getting into it's yeah not maybe not our territory but there might be better and other there might be just like other better stories to tell about male superheroes you mm. know like there's there there could be something else other than like everything i touch i break and that's sad right like that's a story but i feel like there's a lot of that mm. and there could be something there could be something else I also think the X-Men have, like, a clearer place in the cultural context Mm. of, like, the 60s and the 90s than they do today. Mm -hmm. Like, like, today it's, like, it's, like, everyone reads comics. Like, everyone's a weirdo. Right. Everyone's queer. 
Right. You know, it's like it's, uh, but in the nineties, like it, like a guy like Brian Singer is like an X Men. Like that makes sense why it's right. so popular. Like hmm. these weird hmm. inner city kids who are like queer and loved counterculture stuff in a time when there weren't wars and there weren't like coups against the government you know (laughs) and it was like an act of rebellion to like like documentary films and to Mm -hmm. like want to make realism indie movies and put those into your superhero movies you know like that's like a time where it's so easy to see the place of the x-men and i think that's why uh zane eloquently put that like all the people who grew up in that era created some of the art that Mm. we grew up with as kids about you know like harry potter like uh, all of these like right kids in schools magic kids in magic schools type stories Mm -hmm. it's just a couple brief final thoughts my brain is so scattered (laughs) from watching these i want to say that the ship never looks good. It's horrible CGI all the way until 2019. It looks so horrible in Dark Phoenix. The what? It looks so horrible in the first one. The plane. Oh, the yeah. Ship they it fly, always looks bad. They never make it look good. It's never cool. This is a carryover from the comics. It never looks cool in the comics either. Uh, but it looks <laughs> in the comics. It looks like a drawing. <laughs> and in this, it looks like VeggieTales. <laughs> Like it looks so horrible in all of them, even in there's like passable CGI in the later movies and Mm -hmm. the ship still looks so horrible. There are also only two of these 13 movies that I can think of loosely off the top of my head that don't feature a child locked in a cage, Damn, which we've talked about throughout this whole series. I'm not here to say anything else about it other than that is like something that is weird and unique to the series. Their fixation on, children being locked in cages yeah you know what else i would say a movie Uh, that i think about often i'm not sure if i brought it up on podcast but i mentioned a lot off podcast um is the movie push which uh, came out after the first x-men but before a lot of the rest of these sometime between 2004 ish um it's got camilla bell and chris evans and um dakota fanning in it and it is about mutants who are running away from an agency that's trying to turn them into super soldiers and it is like an indie grungy hmm. like shoot 'em up movie almost about superheroes that plays with a lot of the same themes and to the point about like the kids in cages they're also like doing the same thing with like the keeping the mutant kids in cages and stuff like that mm-hmm. in that movie and also the movie hannah uh, about the girl assassin i think a part that people forget about that movie a lot is that she is not only a badass assassin she's a badass assassin mutant who was grown in a lab and that's a part that's like very like underplayed in that movie but mm-hmm. it is also the lady it is also a story of like mutant child super soldiers mm. so it was like definitely something that was around in the zeitgeist i think now it would be more interesting honestly to look at like other movies besides the X-Men that were coming out at the same time that were indie movies, but also had mutants in them Mm -hmm. because like the idea of mutation is not copyrighted by anybody. I think movies like that, it like honestly engage with it in a more interesting way. And like the ways that we sometimes wish we talk about like aspirationally for these movies too. Yeah. I think 
ultimately the biggest reason why these films fail in the context of watching them as we did watching mm-hmm. the whole series mm-hmm. is just that they're all so much the same movie, particularly all of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why the MCU achieved the longevity it did because they realized certainly not at the beginning, mm-hmm. but about halfway through they were like, Oh, we have to make these things really different from each other. Yeah. So people will keep watching them. Yeah. And these movies just never do that. Like even like dark Phoenix is kind of the same movie as the original X-Men. Yeah. And I think that they just feel like if it's an X-Men movie, it's got to have these things. Yeah. And then when you watch 13 of them in a row or in the mainline series, whatever it is, seven in a row, you're just, it's just exhausting. Yeah. And that is why movies like Logan, uh, Deadpool Mm -hmm. and new mutants do stand out because even if, the structure is pretty similar Mm -hmm. at least it's like different characters at least it's like a different setting you know like at least it's different costumes yeah any final thought i mean i just i would like to say i uh, to to be serious for a second Mm -hmm. to bring it back all the way back around to the whole brian singer thing i would like to say that like there is no good reason to watch the movies that brian singer contributed to on this like in this series even though i've ranked apocalypse as my mm-hmm. personal favorite like i'm not like would hesitate to like actually recommend anybody to go to watch this like, i think that he is like not a good person mm-hmm. you know and he is profiting off of people watching this still i'm sure yeah and giving it attention and like i feel bad that we've spent so much time focusing like on on work by somebody who is so um you know distasteful mm-hmm. like all jokes about like the movies being good or bad aside i do think there's just better things you could do with your time than to watch any of the ones that he contributed to and if you feel like you can't watch the series without doing that then you're still not missing much and like you could do perfectly well like go and spend your time mm-hmm. watching movies by people who haven't hurt other people in horrible ways mm-hmm. uh, and your time would probably be better spent doing that let's close the book okay let's do it <laughs> let's close we the never book have to X-Men. watch another x-men movie again how does that yeah, make you feel that's actually something we should mention because this unlike probably any other series we will ever do yeah this is like maybe the only series that will actually never have another movie made like plenty of them won't but the only one where we have the ins- the assurance mm-hmm. because it was bought by Disney and there will be plenty of future X-Men movies but those will be part of the, the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe and even if they do some crazy multiverse stuff and like bring Hugh Jackman back that will still be him coming into those movies yeah it won't attach these movies to that in any way yeah so so we've said that for all of our series when new movies come out in them we will go we will go and watch those and interject them into whatever series we're doing at the time. Just to do something that stays with the times for once. Yeah, for real. Um, but that that will never happen with these movies. It's Well, should we announce what we are doing next? I'd love to. All right. Specifically, did not want to pick a series that had any CGI or any action in it whatsoever Yeah. after going through all of these movies. Yeah. And after much discussion, mm-hmm. we picked our next series. Mm-hmm. Emmett, do you want to announce it? She's and a director. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. You might uh, know her better from her work 
on films such as Little Women and Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will be watching the entire filmography of the director and writer Greta Gerwig. That's right. We're going to do Greta Gerwig. Yes, obviously director of the hugely acclaimed Lady Bird and Little Women, two warm, lovely movies. Mm, truly. We are going to watch all six of the movies that she has written. Three of them she directed. Mm. Uh, so we are going to watch, in order, Hannah Takes the Stairs, which will be coming out on Tuesday. We hope you'll take the stairs with us. And we're going to watch Nights and Weekends, and those first two are part of a movement of realism in indie films called Mumblecore that we are going to be experiencing for the first time and talking mm-hmm. about. And then we're going to watch the two movies that she wrote for her partner Noah Baumbach to direct, Francis Ha and Mistress America. And it is worth noting that in uh, those first four, she is also plays the main character. So we're going to see a lot of her as an actress. Fantastic. And then we will finish up with the classics Lady Bird and Little Women. I think it's going to be really exciting to as like the mission of this podcast mm-hmm. to know that we're getting to movies that so many people love and like really examine how we get to that point mm-hmm. and like really tracking her writing and how it progresses through like very different moments in film history that she's been on the cutting edge for every time. For sure. I'm also interested to see, I've only seen the last two as of, of hers um, and love both of them. And I'm very interested to see how, how, yeah, like how we got there and Mm -hmm. what I can track from the, like, maybe there's something from the very beginning that's like all ties it all together or something. Yeah. Also, it's exciting to be doing a director and a, like a director of our generation. She is older than us, but like a prominent director of our generation. Um, And we hope to be doing director series as well as franchise series and kind of. Yeah, because we feel that it's just as easy to track how director storytelling changes, Mm -hmm. especially ones that have as long careers. I mean, we're going to be covering 13 years of Greta Gerwig's writing. For sure. I mean, there's nothing wholly original about two white guys talking about movies. We know that. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the founders, Siskel and Ebert, Mm -hmm. or our more direct correlation, Statler and Waldorf. (laughs) But I think that sort of the things that set us apart are obviously that it has us on us and our friends Mm -hmm. who we're so thankful to come along on this journey with us for sure and also that i think that we are like five to ten years younger than a lot of people making film podcasts of the depth which we are aspiring to Mm -hmm. and so i think that what we have is that kiddie pool depth (laughs) what we have is a real opportunity to um talk about some of the directors of our generation Uh which i think are beloved by like film critics and film twitter but aren't i feel like it's people like david fincher and Mm -hmm. quentin tarantino like guys from that generation are always heralded as kind of like the masters right and i think that there are lots of young masters including greta gerwig that i'm excited for sure to dive into and Mm -hmm. um see what we can pull out so super excited about that that will be tuesday Starting Tuesday. Hannah Hannah Takes takes the Stairs. stairs. Yeah. A movie that I am told has no explosions in it. (laughs) What if we just watched them? (laughs) They're all huge action movies. We had no idea. I mean, it could happen. We've committed now. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, love you guys. Bye. Bye. Stay frosty. Frosted. Whatever. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.